0: This is the Thursday Night Podcast, your source for news, analysis, and all things Georgia State sports, because every day is Thursday. Hello and welcome to episode 146 of the Thursday Night Podcast. My name is Jordan and I'm joined by Brady and David. This week, we'll discuss the Panthers' 35-28 to loss to North Carolina that leaves them 0-2 through the Power Conference portion of the 2022 schedule. They'll look to get into the win column this Saturday at home versus Charlotte and we'll get you prepared for that game with the Niners. But first, let's talk about those new... Black football uniforms, a bunch of really great pictures, hype videos, courtesy of the GSU creative uh, video team there. Man, I love these uniforms with the uh, the Atlanta text right above the numbers, the Under Armour logo centered right in the middle above that. That is just, it's it's awesome. I love it. I love it. I love it. I want to hear what you guys have to say about those.
1: They look great. Uh, look, I woke up this morning and I do that thing that I always do, which is uh Turn off my alarm and immediately go on Twitter because I'm a sicko. And I saw one of the first tweets I saw was, you know, GSU, get ready for these uniforms, basically. And I was like, oh, wait, black uniforms. Oh wow, those look really good. But at first, at at the very initial glance, I was like, okay, you know, it's been a while since they've worn black, but nice that they're doing something different. And then as I kind of had some coffee and, like, really looked into them, they look really good. There's a lot of subtle details in there and some not-so-subtle details that kind of really make the uniforms themselves pop. Like, it wasn't until this afternoon I saw that the stripe on the shoulders are claw marks, like Really well done by whoever designed these. They they're gonna look sick.
2: Yeah, and got ESPN love. It was all over social media. Definitely, especially after, you know, we'll get to the game in a little bit, but you're starting 0-2, it kind of reset to where there was a lot of positive energy today and a lot of push from coaches and players on Twitter to pack the park. Hashtag so-called pack the park uh for this game against Charlotte this weekend. And Like, obviously, we're going to dig into what went well, what didn't go well in the game on Saturday. But I don't know. For a moment, it really felt like everything reset there. And it was kind of just all about something everyone was going in the same direction on, enjoying these uniforms. And, you know, like Jordan said, the Atlanta part is probably the best for me just because embracing the city you're in. I think obviously it isn't Atlanta's teams. And I don't think that that's what putting Atlanta there is intending to do. I don't think it's like saying like we are the most important thing in town because obviously there's some waters to row to make up in the attention that the literal national champions, Georgia get, um, in Athens, not that far away and that a lot of people have an affinity for in the state of Georgia and in the city of Atlanta. But I think we've all, I know that it's been talked about in various chats uh, that I'm in with, you know, Jordan, with David, um, that having eventually some kind of Jersey that said Atlanta on it. And so it felt like a real moment. And I put the thing out on Twitter, a follow-up question that I guess we'll find the, find the answer out to is Does this mean there's a basketball Atlanta Jersey too. The gray jerseys are uh, gone. I think, I think we are awaiting what the new third Jersey is going to be for men's basketball. I guess, you know, they had the black ones, but. Is it year two of those coming up or is, was this past the, the year two
1: of the ones with the
2: script? This was I feel like the this, first year. I think it was. I feel like first. this was
1: the first year. Yeah. All right. And so so next I'm year. my own
2: expectations by saying, I think it's a two year rotation. So it's possible that there won't be, but I would say, while I like those script Panther black jerseys that they wore last year, if they found a way to end the cycle and early and get those Atlanta jerseys, something obviously not identical, but similar to the ones the football team is going to be wearing fun athletic synergy and also just a better uniform you don't often get the case where there's just such an identical uh decision made between football and basketball uniforms like usually there's something unique uh, but if this is the case where there was that synergy would totally be a fan
0: in the words of coach jonas hayes more more atlanta branding do it it's good
2: did not sound like you said that with all caps well, yeah you, i you need you
0: need to me. scream that <laughs> more like giles Corey in the crucible More. oh
1: god don't take me back to 11th grade english no like but yeah I, I i just i can't get enough of this it just feels like a really good kind of mojo going into the charlotte game and you know i think georgia state needed something and i i well, maybe not me thinks that specifically because as we're going to talk about with this UNC game, there's definitely still things to like about the team going forward, but it's just nice that they're, they're still being light. And, you know, the, I don't think you mentioned it actually. The video, uh, that the football team posted, you know, having coach, I, I thought it was a player. I really did. It, I, until I got to the end of the video, I was like, Oh, that's coach. That doesn't, it's <laughs> weird. Like it just. I feel like there are very few college coaches who would get in full uniform like that to reveal it to his players what they're going to be wearing on Saturday. And so, of course, Coach Elliott did that. But, you know, it's the the vibe still seems good in that locker room, which is very important as the season kind of moves forward.
2: And, you know, the last thing I have on this is just the last time they wore black uniforms was that Furman game that they Kind of had to escape, uh, thanks to Future Panther Darren Granger just going off in the passing game for Furman, and I don't remember if it was in the post game or if it was sometime after. I want to say there was some something from Coach Elliott about that there was a lot of interest in like the black jerseys and like accessorizing, and that he felt like in that moment after the Tennessee win that it might have been a mistake breaking out the black jerseys because he felt like maybe it was the extra distraction that took away from the team's focus on the game part of why maybe they weren't entirely ready to go off the start of that game. And so as they're sitting here, zero and two, you know, hearing his comments after the UNC game backs, it up as well, but it feels like, you know, this is still a guy that if he was worried about the team's attention, this wouldn't necessarily be the week to pop out fancy uniforms. He's been pretty stock. Like this is what we wear week in week out. You can probably expect it'll be blue helmets, white uh, jerseys, white pants on the road. And so the fact that he's feeling comfortable saying, yeah, let's break out these fancy uniforms. Let's get everyone hyped about this. I think that also backs up that they're feeling in a good place despite the O and 2 start.
1: And that matters. You know, that's the, that type of stuff, that mojo, that type of stuff is very important. You know, we we mentioned last year about how getting off to a good start was important, and Georgia State didn't do that. But you still ha- saw the outcome of last year. And, you know, I guess we can kind of segue into UNC, but, you know... the team is still being the team that we thought that they were going to be this year so far. All we said before
2: the first two games was like, if it's going to be 0-2, you want to feel better about the team at 0-2 than you did last year, when after that UNC game, there were a lot of questions. And the answer came in the form of a new quarterback and a new running back shortly after. Uh, Destin didn't really lose his job until a couple games after the Charlotte game, but there were a lot more questions about just the identity of the team. And I think there's stuff to get cleaned up in pretty much all phases, uh, but mostly on offense and special teams. Uh, Whereas last year, it wasn't like this needs to get cleaned up. It was like, what is the offense trying to do? Is the defense going to keep giving up all these big plays and, uh, you know, which they did against army and North Carolina last year. And so, We kind of prepared for the outcome of possibly starting out 0 and 2. And we were just my thought was just be in a better place at 0 and 2 if it's gonna happen because you are playing two power conference teams and that might be the outcome. But if I just think that as we sit right now, I don't have as many questions as I did staring at the Charlotte game like I did last year.
0: All right, so let's go ahead and jump right into recapping that UNC game last week. Uh, It was looking dicey at first when North Carolina jumped out to a 21-3 lead early in the second quarter, but Georgia State rattled off the next 25 points in the game to jump on top, 28-21. But the Tar Heels scored the final two touchdowns, and despite GSU defense coming up with two stops late to get the ball back in the hands of the offense— Third time was the charm for UNC to ice the clock away and become the nation's first 3-0 team. The Panthers won the turnover margin 3-0 and rushed for 200-plus yards, 235 to be exact, for the fifth straight game and the ninth in their last ten. And the passing of Darren Granger was much improved from the season opener against South Carolina as well. He went 16 for 24 for 186 yards with three touchdowns through the air, linking up with Robert Lewis for 115 of those yards and two of those touchdowns. So, gentlemen, what are your thoughts about that UNC game?
1: There are a couple of things that are true about Georgia State. They're in the bottom of the, what are there, 14 teams in the Sun Belt? They're bottom three, bottom four in points scored so far this season. They've scored 42 points. It's not great. It's not bad, but it's not great. They're also in the bottom in points allowed as a team. I'm not going to do the whole defense did this, special teams, this is not just as a team. There's only one team that has allowed more points than Georgia State in the Sun Belt, and that's App State because they gave up $60 billion to UNC in Week 1. Despite those two sentences, it would be intellectually dishonest for me to say that Georgia State didn't play well on Saturday. And the I, I think the the first thing that I looked at when I was looking at this game on Saturday was what does Darren Granger look like after last week's performance? It wasn't good last week, seven completions, 24, excuse me, 24 completion percentage. That's terrible. That's not good. He responded this week. There was a point in the game where he was 11 for 16 and I kind of just looked up and was just like, Oh yeah. I mean, Darren's played pretty well. I feel like a lot of the, a lot of the reasons why he's not completing passes isn't even overthrows this week it's just guys aren't catching balls he finished 16 for 24 184 yards through the air you know for a quarterback you'd like that to be more like i can be honest his counterpart drake may hats off to him he completed three more passes on the same attempts and had lit oh, an exact 100 more yards you know that's fair that is a big play potential offense Darren Granger also added 75 yards on the ground for a quarterback like Darren Granger. You have to count that. And you you look at his stats and you say, okay, in a, in around 40 ish attempts, he had around 300 yards from scrimmage. That's a really good day at the office.
2: Yeah, I definitely same place where we were probably going to have to have the quarterback conversation a second straight year after game two if results weren't great on Saturday. And we knew that the UNC, often, uh, UNC defense was gettable. Didn't necessarily think we would go in expecting another 61 to be scored like App State did. I didn't necessarily think the game was going to play out that way. I don't think that we expected Georgia State to try and push it and feel like getting into a shootout, because a shootout wouldn't have been the most suitable way to win that game for them. And that just kind of played out because it was 21-3 real quick and it took a nice run from Georgia State and the defense clamping down to get back into the game if it is a situation where UNC was scoring every possession Georgia State just would not have stayed in the game at all and the offense like especially in the middle quarters and from the drive that made it 21-10 on for the next for the you know the end of that quarter and then into the third quarter the offense was clicking like we saw thousand times under brad glenn last couple years where it's just like the run game is working and the the pass off of the run is working and the play action passes their guys running wide open just because guys are having to respect the run on the defense so much and i think down the stretch the fourth quarter number of factors for why it, it went down um you talked about the drops there were three drops in the fourth quarter that I, in the post game, I think there was a lot made of specifically like not passing. And I think that there are a couple of places where I would have probably passed the ball when they didn't, but it was also like, they did pass in the fourth quarter. Just you couldn't have the drops as you had. I don't think any of those would have gotten a first down on their own, but all of them would have made the job easier. And in the fourth quarter, I think UNC's defense played better, especially against the run. And there were some drops. And at the end of the day, what happened was Georgia State had a couple of punts that maybe you push the button and you go for it there. But Coach Elliott trusted his defense to get the stop and get the ball back. They just got a forced, I think, a three and out in one of them. They forced a fumble in plus territory on the other. And then on the third time of asking, UNC, at that point, needing just to get a first down, was able to do that and end the game. And so it's it's frustrating because you're right there. And it's another game that I know that it's not that persuasive to people to just be like you played well and you were in the game when it ended up being a loss. But it's really all you can control. And I thought they were in the game. I think coming back from 18 down against a high-powered offense wasn't something we would have been ready for. I think because it's such a run-heavy team, I'm sure that a lot of people had doubts it was going to ever be a game again, both nationally and people at the game and people watching the game. And th- they got back into it. And yeah, they didn't close it out. And that's something that they're going to have to correct is little stuff they're going to have to get better at. But I think you have to take away that it was a game right down to the end. They showed a lot of the same good things they did against South Carolina. And you're basically past for sure the best offense in UNC that you're probably going to play all year and maybe the best defense against South Carolina. And so now you go into the rest of your schedule strengthened by the two games you just played but not necessarily beaten down by them either literally with through injuries or feeling down about the losses.
1: And it's you know you mentioned something and I I really want people to understand. UNC did to Georgia State what Georgia State did to Charlotte last year. And obviously, it wasn't a you know ninety-eight yard drive that kills ten minutes or whatever in the fourth quarter. But you're right, Coach Elliott trusted his defense to get off the field. They punted the ball back to UNC with almost four minutes on the clock, and Georgia State never got the ball back. There was some gr- like I I don't even want to say that Coach Elliott got out coached because I don't even think that that's uh, I don't even think that that's an accurate statement to say. I just think the UNC offense played picture perfect situational football and need to copy of that tape and send it to the Denver Broncos of the NFL but we we don't have to get there. Um if you look at you know the first and the fourth quarter for Georgia State the offense just really couldn't get things going and you know a part of that is UNC's defense had some sort of desire to play much better than they did last week but I also think Georgia State kind of got in their own way in ways that was unlike them. You know, the pass blocking wasn't as crisp as it's been. The run blocking wasn't as crisp. But those things unlocked themselves in the second quarter, especially in the third quarter. You know, I think the third, it, it, it sucks to say this because there's only been eight quarters. The third quarter that Georgia State played against UNC was the best quarter that they've had on offense this year. And I don't just say that because they, what were they able to put up, like 18, 18 points? Yeah, yeah, yeah 18 hey, I don't just say that because they scored 18 points, but it was how they scored those points. I mean, the defense that UNC played last week was what de- the defense that they showed against Georgia State in the third quarter. Darren Granger was killing them. You know, you saw wide open catches to a whole bunch of receivers, and you know the deep ball that Darren was employing was good. You know, you had Robert Lewis, who I think I guess is a guy now. He's, he's had two good games. I mean, you know, I, from the bowl game
2: last year, I. And you, even before that, I think he had a catch against Louisiana. Um, definitely been growing on, coming on strong. And if you score four touchdowns in three games dating back to last year, you're a guy. And he wasn't talking about a post-game. He was like, I might be getting press coverage now. I might be getting doubled now, but that'll just mean other guys are going to be open. and going to go to
1: someone. Exactly. And, you know, the, the I, I remember thinking, man, UNC's – Defensive line is not dominating Georgia State's offensive line, but I thought that Georgia State's offensive line wasn't getting the same level of push that we were accustomed to. Those things didn't happen in the third. And, you know, you get to the fourth quarter, and I just think it was a situation where Georgia State just didn't have enough juice, you know, and I credit UNC. UNC got the ball back with three minutes and 51 seconds in the fourth, and they just ran a perfect, it's not a two minute drill, but I, I think some NFL coaches call it like a five minute drill where they're just slow, methodical, just want to bleed, bleed, bleed the clock. You know, they ran what, seven plays? And they, it's it's not like they moved the ball down the field a lot. You look and at that point in time, it's just a matter of the time working against Georgia State. I believe Georgia State didn't have a they had I think only one timeout on that drive. So yes, I believe you're right. And if if UNC got one first down, it was just going to be a moot point at that point. But I I never I don't want to sit here and criticize Coach Elliott for his decision to say, okay, defense, you're going to have to get the ball back because. We've seen it. You know, it it sucks. It happened twice before in the same quarter. Exactly. And it's
2: also, and I know that that was a play where it kind of divulged because it was a fourth and like 11, fourth and 10, something at park ballpark. Third down, it ended up being an option play, which there's a thing where in this offense, in this system, quarterback goes to the line with two plays and picks one based on what he sees. And I don't know that an option was called. I don't know that you yeah, know, that was the ideal play. And also in post game it was pretty clear immediately that that was a play that like I mentioned is like by Coach Elliott of like, I think they could have had that one back if they had it back, but I don't really know. I don't think it was just like run the option here. It's going to get it. Like it might've been a disconnect between quarterback and play caller and just the wrong read was made. But again, like Darren was seeing what he was seeing if it was him. And so I, I have a hard time just criticizing that part of it either Obviously, it wasn't the play you were looking for. If you were going to get half of the yardage you needed on that third down, you probably have an easier decision to go for it because the because of what happened on third down. I don't think you could just go for it on fourth down there because you know bullheadedness. Like obviously, the third down play didn't go well, and then I think you had to punt because the yardage was a lot, and you could have worked a field position magic there if you get a stop without getting UNC a first down on that drive you're probably getting it about where you left the ball off on that drive, just with a fresh set of downs. The problem on that maybe was the third down. And, you know, I just, the play didn't work. And situationally, obviously, short side option, in hindsight, it's really easy to just be like, yeah, that wasn't the move. Um, I don't know. There's other parts of it that I just... I think that the talent started coming through for that UNC defense in the fourth quarter. And like Georgia state had a couple of third and shorts that they weren't able to convert. And that was a thing that followed from the South Carolina game. And that's their bread and butter. And it's just a case of, I think the S the ACC in this case defense, which has talent, even if they weren't playing well, started playing well. And they like, I heard about it. Like one of the linebackers powers echoes find was like challenging them after they went down 28, 21. Like, what are we doing? Like we need to, play better and I think that they responded to that and they responded to that while having power conference players in their you know, at their disposal and so it's I'm conflicted because obviously I think the the offense could have played better uh but but to so that they got performed outperformed but and it happens
1: But to that point specifically, I think what people don't understand, and you know, the catch-all is to say, oh, the play calling was bad. I think Georgia State also shortened their playbook intentionally, just given the things that were working. For example, let's say I think it was on a second a second and long. They were behind the sticks, and this pass wouldn't have gotten the first down, anyways. Let's say Jam Williams actually catches that second down throw that Darren throws his way late. I, I think that was in the early part of the fourth quarter either on their last offensive position. I think that was a third and like seven. Let's say he catches that. And even though he was behind the line of scrimmage, let's say he catches that you feel a lot better about Darren throwing as just as a human, Darren probably feels a lot better about throwing that pass the pitch in the first half that was returned as a, forward pass and called incomplete, you feel a lot better about running your option like that. And yes, I think UNC did a good job to your credit. They did a good job of keying in on the option. Absolutely. But I also think a lot of the things that kind of add quote unquote spice to Georgia State's kind of playbook, those types of things were not working because of UNC's talent, but also just the execution factor wasn't there for Georgia State. And even though you shorten the playbook and, you know, kind of make it so guys are doing the things that they're comfortable in, when you shorten the playbook against a team where you don't have the margins, like, like you you you, you got to win at the margins against the UNC for if you're Georgia State. And when you shorten the playbook, you're not going to be able to do those things. So, you know, I think if it was – we're not sitting here and saying that Darren was in shotgun or whatever on fourth and one and decided to throw a a deep out route or anything like that. Like that's when people say bad play calling, they always act like those are the types of things that happen. But I just think Georgia state's playbook was got shortened because of UNC being able to make stops on earlier downs and in earlier situations that just Georgia state didn't have the keys that they normally have at their disposal, which is important. Like I, I think that factor of it is important when, kind of critiquing some of the decisions quote unquote at the end of the game.
2: I kind of want to focus around to some of the things that were going well. Just I, there's takeaways from this game that are positive and I just think that I said it last week and I feel bad cuz I feel like I cursed the team in some way cuz I was like they could play a good game defensively and give up 30 something points and that is exactly what happened because I think they played well and I think UNC's a good offense to put up 35 and You said earlier something about how like Georgia State did what uh, UNC did what Georgia State did to Charlotte last year. And, And another way they did that is that the run game wasn't working totally for UNC early on. And little by little, they started running some tempo in the second half. And after the Georgia State had gotten Drake May a little bit rattled, he threw his first pick of 2022 and of his career. Uh, when Georgia State took that 28-21 lead, the game might go differently if a Marion Hampton doesn't get a 58-yard rushing touchdown right there, right after the drive. And they were running tempo. They got Georgia State a little bit, you know, looking to the sideline, not set exactly where they needed to be on that play, and it hurt them. And a couple of other times uh, from that point in the third and the fourth quarter, UNC started having more success on the ground. But for a lot of the game, Georgia State was controlling the trenches, against a power conference team, you know, came since going crazy in the first half and they won the turnover margin three, nothing. And those turnovers were really key. And the other part of it that I want to talk about is just that, that that part of it that seems like it's random, just like the timeliness of turnovers, but the more weeks go on where it just keeps happening. I don't think it's something that is just up to the randomness of football that I think this defense really has a knack for timely turnovers because they got that turnovers on down right at the end of the first half that sh- should have led to points and lack of, lack of execution really let you down. And then you had a field goal blocked, which wasn't good. You had the pick right after the touchdown that cut it to a one score game on the first play of the half for UNC led to a field goal. Again, could have been a touchdown wasn't, but at least you put up points on that one. And then UNC's driving up 2120. They're into Georgia state territory and Antavius Lane forces a fumble, Ja'Cory Crawford falls on it, Jordan out did a great job of just tackling the guy who fumbled to make sure he couldn't get back into that scrum to get the fumble, and that didn't lead to points, but it stopped a UNC drive, and on the next Georgia State drive that started on your own two, you went 98 yards and took the lead at that point. Defense made a lot of plays, and against an offense that was coming in very heavy firepower you were expecting a lot, and 35 is, you know, there were some big plays they could have not given up that would have made that better, but I I just think the defense played a, a good game and there were just times where just the talent on the offensive side of the ball for UNC won out and they were the ones who made the plays down the stretch after Georgia State took the lead, but I don't want to take away from what the defense did. And, and again, you're probably not facing the full package like that the rest of the schedule. There's some good teams and some good offenses in the Sun Belt, but I mean, Drake may just
1: looks. <laughs> Stupid good. I think he does too. And, you know, it was interesting to me. Uh, Omarion Hampton had four rushes in the first half for three yards. Uh, they, they were not anything special. And then he just kind of exploded in the second half. Um, Which is unfortunate. He was also
2: the guy who caught the kick return at the two and went out of bounds. So it wasn't a good first half for
1: him (laughs) anywhere. No, the broadcasters were musing in the second half that he got benched a little bit. And that's partially, they thought that that was partially why Georgia State was so good at defending the run. But I also think in the second half, they just did a good job of not letting May beat them, you know, kind of to their detriment because they just were not able to be as effective as a defense. Um, in the second half, in terms of the way that UNC was rushing the ball, you know, 183 yards, it's a pretty big number for a team that I think is better at stopping the run than most teams in the Sun Belt. you know, so they'll definitely want to correct that. But the way that may was torching them in the, in the beginning of the first half is just, it was really nice that they found ways to be a lot better in the second half at defending that because that's been the bugaboo for Georgia state. You know, it's rare. It's rare that you have a Georgia state team that is giving up, you know, so much on the ground the past couple of years. It's just been guys have been able to pass all over them, but you know, on a day that it looked like may was just going to, you know, crisscross them up, you know, yes, there was a big play in the fourth quarter, but a lot of that was yards after the catch um i think the it was the to the tight end i want to no, know yeah the tight end it morales the tight end. Yeah. Tight
2: ends had a big day for them
1: yes at the 42 yards of the what the 47 yard play was yards after the catch guy just was in a good spot on the field and you know had a really big gain but i'm not gonna sit here and say that that's the quarterback just carving somebody up or anything like that um but it's 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 frustrating. When you look at the zero and two. You look at the thirty five points in both in back to back games. You look at the twenty eight and the you know what the thirteen or whatever in the first game. It, just, it doesn't look good. But then you watch the games. Like you, I remember last year, and I said this a whole bunch last year. You watched that Army game, and you said, "Yeah, they gave up like fifty something." But this this defense looks competitive. This team looks competitive, and I just I can't sit here and say that the feelings aren't the same. And I I think they're ahead of schedule from where they were last year. You know, like it, obviously Charlotte is what they are. And, you know, we, we don't have to necessarily segue completely to them, but it would not shock me if, if the two, if this team plays like they did the last two weeks, it would not shock me if they beat Charlotte by at least 30, just if they played, just if they played, how they have played so far this season. Not if they get any better, not if they look at some of the mistakes, not if guys get healthy this week, because they haven't even been completely healthy this year at any point either. That, that is where the talent is on this team. And it, it's just, it sucks that they're Owen too. It sucks that it looks this bad because th- they look fine. Like you said, they look, they, they had two losses. This one was a closer loss, but they just, they look a lot better than I think people are kind of giving them some credit for.
2: Yeah. And part of that's, you know, there's some still stuff that they need to clean up. Uh, 12 penalties is too much. And a lot of it was stuff that you really just don't want to have pre motion, pre snap uh, procedural stuff. Um. And that cost them. After I want to say the fumble and plus territory, the first play was a false start. And so you instead of moving forward after a big turnover on their side of the field, you move backward five yards. They never recovered from starting first and fifteen, and you just you aren't going to win many downs starting first and fifteen. And there was a, a holding penalty that brought back. A pass on the uh, drive when they were down twenty one seventeen that would have been a first down in the red zone. Instead, it was moved back. They didn't recover from that. Had to settle for the field goal, which they made. But they would have had the lead at that point, or better chance of having to leave at that point if they are staring at a first down in the red zone. Uh, the other thing, I mean, I thought special teams was better. I noticed they cleaned up. You know, they had a third guy back in the protection uh, for the punts. So. I think they adjusted there, and so that UNC didn't really go after a punt like South Carolina did twice. So I guess we kind of have to wait and see until they really get challenged again, but that side of stuff looked good. I mean, the punt return thing is weird. I just think they're getting told to go 10 yards for the back than they need to because there's been now in both games instances where punts have gone a long way because guys have had to run up to it and not want to touch it and try and catch it on the run. So it's bounced and it's bounced a long way. And so um, actually both punters uh, I think were special teams player of the week in some measure. I forget. I did see it. I saw it online somewhere, but it obviously is an indication that something has gone wrong. And I think it's, they won the award because both of them manage really long single punts uh, because of that circumstance. And so that's just something, I don't know what's going on there, Coach Elliott mentioned that, I think, on Monday in the Sunbelt call that it's something you had to look at. Um, you just kind of hope that stuff gets corrected because if things are going better, but that stuff is still costing you 20 yards here or there, whether it's through penalties or special team stuff, like obviously that's still going to be a concern. I think it's harder to, like, it was really easy last year. Like, the benefit of having the start that you had last year where there was a lot of questions is that there were some glaring things that were really going wrong. And I think it's a case this year where enough things have been going wrong enough that in games that were close, like UNC and the score or in South Carolina where the score ended up being 21, but it was still like close. You outgained them little stuff came back to hurt you in a couple of different areas. I think it's a lot easier to look at like what needs to go better when stuff is going so wrong it's not easier for it to get fixed. It's just easier to diagnose it and be like, this is going to make the team immediately better. And I think just if they go out against Charlotte and get the results along with some of the encouraging play we've seen the first two weeks, probably everyone starts to feel a little better about things, but you know, it's it's not a given you got to go out there and do it. And, you know, I still think that in spite of all the positives, we do need to see kind of the first complete game from this team. And it does feel like an opportunity where maybe you can go and do that.
0: All right. So speaking of Charlotte, let's go ahead and dive into that game. Uh, Of course, this upcoming Saturday, 7 p.m. night game at Center Park Stadium. The 49ers come into this game 0-3, fresh off of a 56-21 drubbing at the hands of Maryland in their own time hosting a Power 5 opponent last weekend. They lost the Friday before to FCS William & Mary 41-24. Will Hilly is their head coach. In his fourth season in charge, he has a 14-20 overall record at Charlotte, taking him bowling in his first year and not since. This is an exact rematch from a season ago, as almost a year to the day, on September eighteenth, 2021, Georgia State hosted Charlotte and won 20-9. The Panthers lead the all-time series 2-1 to one after winning the last two matchups. The series is going to return to Charlotte on September 16th, 2023. So, gentlemen, night football. Saturday night, Charlotte, 7 p.m. Center Park Stadium. What are our thoughts?
2: Yeah, I mean, I was I left off because we're going to preview just what we're looking at with Charlotte. Um, I don't want it to seem like I'm just saying like this is a walkover because Charlotte's going to come in 0-3 and... You know they're playing you. They're playing South Carolina after they play Georgia State, and so they're looking at zero and five if they don't get a win somehow in Atlanta this weekend. And you know they play UAB I think a couple of weeks after that. Like it is shaping up to where they're going to be staring at lose and you aren't going to a bowl in the middle of October. And they lost here last year, and I'm sure they remember that game. I'm sure a lot of the players are back from that team, and so you're going to be playing a team with nothing to lose. I think what you have going in your favor is you're in the exact same boat. Uh, Coach Elliott on the media call this Monday got asked by, I think a Charlotte uh, TV person about that. And just like Charlotte coming in hungry and he's that we're hungry too. And I think that that's the case. And I think that, you know, if Georgia state doesn't come out with their hair on fire, you're going to be disappointed because they don't want to be and three. Like Charlotte is going into this game. And there's an opportunity. I mean, you can't ever overlook a team. It's just that Charlotte has had a really bad start, especially defensively this year. They're giving up 5.76 yards per carry through three games. And you know, this and the quarterbacks are 78% completion percentage, 314 yards per game. And I would even remove the Maryland game. Like if you want to take them out as the outlier, because it's a power conference team, that's fine. They still gave up 43 to Florida Atlantic and 41 to FCS William & Mary. And I watched the latter half of that William & Mary game, and both the lines just, William & Mary was winning in the trenches on both sides of the ball. And we feel like that's probably the strongest collective area of the field for Georgia State when they're going well. And so matchup-wise, you look at it as something where a team that's giving up a lot of yards and on the ground and then just having busted assignments and guys being wide open in the passing game if georgia state does kind of what they do best against a team that's been susceptible against the run you'll have the scenario kind of like what you had in the third quarter against unc where the run game is churning and when they pull it out to play action pass a guy might be pretty open and you might be able to get some big plays that way and so it is honestly the best time to play a team that's coming in zero wins ready to There's nothing to lose because you're in that same spot. And I think the expectation all around is that Georgia state comes out and plays like that too, because maybe one and two with a good win on Saturday, you can feel pretty good going into the coastal game and things that you can take away. Yeah. You can get back to two and two, one and oh in the Sunbelt play, probably a pretty different story if you lose to a team, you're currently a 19 point favorite over. And you're going an 0 3 to Sunbelt play, and was a pretty pivotal game against Coastal.
1: You're absolutely right. And it, it, it sounds like a cop out, and I hate to say it, but Georgia State playing some teams kind of on their level of competition, that has to feel good. And that is going to be a much better test for what this team is. If Georgia State goes out and Plays Charlotte close. Like I'm talking as close, if not closer, than they were last year, where they won by eleven. That probably should scare some people, just given where both of those teams are. And now I'm not talking about if there's any crazy injuries or, you know, I don't know what the weather is. It, it could be monsooning on Saturday night or whatever. Um, but you know, you want Georgia State to go out there and run the ball effectively on a team that so far does not look like they have a great defense. You know, I'm not saying that. Darren Granger needs to have a four hundred yard passing game, but you know we're talking about a team through three games that's almost given up a thousand yards through the air. That's not great it's really not great and i I think they average about thirteen yards per attempt given up something like that that defense Darren Granger has shown that the deep ball. Has been better. It, it it absolutely has been better. You know, there's still some accuracy concerns, but the way that Georgia state had was, three touchdowns, the, at, Robert Lewis had a great mm-hmm. game. And I think the one played want back was the,
2: he had one Darren put right in his hands in the second quarter. That would have been a touchdown. He had him in stride. He was going to walk into the end
1: zone. Yeah. And it wasn't even just, it wasn't necessarily that the cornerback made a great play. Lewis just dropped it, you know, clean up some of those things, you know, and this is a game where Georgia state really can kind of get that offense going. And, you know, the you're right. You can, you can never overlook games. Absolutely can never overlook games. Charlotte is going to be hungry. They're going to be just as hungry as Georgia state because clock's ticking on their, their ability to go to a bowl, especially with their schedule. But You're at home, you play better at home. Usually, if you're Georgia State, you've got to find a way to win this one. And I think it would look good too if it's one of those games where you're, you know, we're talking about an ant lane interception and two Quay picks again. You know, there's like seven sacks because Javon Dennis and, you know, Gore just absolutely dominating on the front. Jamil Mohammed's getting in there too. You know, Tucker Gregg continues. I, I thought Tucker Gregg was. He struggled a little bit in the first game. It's definitely a little bit better in the UNC game, but you know, this is where he's, you know, busting out those 50 yard runs that sometimes he's capable of doing after contact. You know, Jam is pushing a hundred yards as well. I, th- I think the opportunity is definitely there for Georgia State to take advantage of a team that that should not be running with them.
2: And running with them being an operative word, because Charlotte's at 3.28 yards per carry through the first three games. Uh, rushing the ball, and there's a little bit of a looming thing that it feels like their starter at quarterback, uh, super senior Chris Reynolds, probably is back. It sounded like he practiced last week and they held him out, but he pract- he's been practicing again this week, and they haven't named his starter yet, but it feels probable that it's going to be him if he's ready to go. And he is a threat, and they have three really good receivers, uh, DeBose, Spencer, and Tucker. It's a legit three. Uh, None of them are really a third receiver, just that there's three of them, so someone is. But they're all very talented and saw some of that early in the game last year against Charlotte. But he still only had, uh, I think, 13 of 28 last year passing. Georgia State was the first real signs of like, I think the Army game was more about the offense last year. But once you saw the... Charlotte game, the way the defense played, you really felt like, yeah, that was an anom- anomaly because that defense played great. And you, so they had the same guys last year and you were able to stop that passing attack. And if you're moving the ball on the ground and killing the clock, uh, taking possessions away from them, they're not able to get their ground game going. They're starting out in like third and eights and third and 11s and having to face the Georgia state onslaught of a pass rush. It's just not a formula for success. And so you always at least lean on with Georgia State that if they're running the ball well enough to get to third and manageable, whether they're running or passing on third down, you feel pretty good when it's third and four closer. And I think this is a week where you kind of need to get back to that fully because you're at 27% on third downs through two games. And it's two games, so it's not really a usable sample size. And both of them are against power conference defenses. So that's another layer of you're playing some stern competition, but I do think this is a week where you need to get back into that on staying on the field on third downs, uh, because I think that's really the thing you've been pointed to more than anything with the offense. Like if you wanted to distill the offense struggling when they have in the first two games, it's been just not converting on third downs and going off the field. And Michael Hayes has been punting too many times and you're not taking advantage of situations where you know, three points off of three turnovers and a turnover on down against UNC. That's the reason you lost, just distill down to one number. And part of that was because when you got the ball in favorable positions after turnovers, you were either going three and out or you got maybe a first down and then you were going, you know, sending the punt team out. And so a team that maybe isn't going to be able to meet you in the trenches like the ones have in the first two weeks hopefully you start to see some of that crispness in the short yardage situations. Hopefully you're getting into those short yardage situations on offense and keeping on the field, keeping moving down the field. And, you know, it's just about the, I think that this game is different than maybe we expected when it started. Like I thought we maybe thought it was going to be a little bit more going in where it's like, all right, Charlotte's got a team that's really going to challenge you. And right now it isn't looking as much like that, but you can't let the team hang around. You know, it's the situation where you want to get comfortable because they are coming in knowing that they've been projected as a big underdog. And it's not a team that they probably think they should be a big underdog against. And so if it's a close game going into the third and fourth quarter, kind of the opposite dynamic of what you were the underdog situation in the first two games. And, you know, teams feeling like they have the confidence to be in the game. You saw Georgia state take the lead in the third quarter in both of those games. And then all bets are off when it's a ball game like that. Uh, and then, you know, the last thing I would just mention is, and this is absolutely not something the team should be focusing on. This is just like a byproduct, like if it works out, but you do play on Thursday against coastal, it's a really big game. And so you can't like plan to have where the third and fourth quarter are lighter and you're taking guys off. Cause that is, if you're going into game thinking that those are the games that end up being down to the wire, but if Georgia State can find a way to get out comfortably and give some guys some rests on both sides of the ball with a short week, that is invaluable. Uh, obviously, win the game first. That comes secondary. Like if we're talking about a Georgia State win, but that you needed to play everyone for four quarters, it's still different than a Georgia State loss. But that is a factor in this. That there's a short week and. If there's an opportunity because of who you're playing to make it a short game all the better for the team looking forward
1: I, I don't even think that that can be overstated this is a team that has had injuries this is a team that you can't say is fully healthy at least on the offensive side of the ball so yeah if it's if it's not close in the third at the end of the third quarter you know early in the fourth quarter pull them you know pull the guys pull your guys who are going to be there and who are going to be important for that six thirty, seven thirty game against Coastal the next week because you know a fourth quarter injury to somebody important in a game that is quote unquote meaningless like Charlotte that 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 could be season ruining you know and you especially with how tough the east is for any chance that you have to beat a coastal to beat an app state To beat a Marshall, I guess, because Sunbelt teams are ridiculous. You know, any chance that you have to have that head-to-head being better increases your chances of winning the East. So absolutely, I am fully in support of pulling people if it gets to a point where it's not going to be close by the end of the game.
2: And then the last thing I would just mention is Xavier Williams is, I think, the guy who would be the guy at quarterback if Reynolds can't go, and he's... Different. He isn't necessarily drop back passer success, but he has some of that like just making something out of nothing that you see from Darren at quarterback. Sometimes he's a young guy. I think he went to Colquitt County in Georgia, so it's not necessarily a local game for him because Moultrie is way down the south of the state. But I imagine he's going to have family at this game, and so if he's the guy playing, guy playing in front of in his home state, sometimes you know any defense struggles with mobile quarterbacks and if that is going to be the way they're going to try and win, if he is the quarterback, you just got to make sure you got to spy on them. Got to be careful. This is the things that the coaches are probably, you know, going through planning for both because Charlotte didn't name a starter. Uh, this is basically why Charlotte has named a starter is that they do now have to prepare for two pretty different styles of quarterbacks, but you know, that that's it's either going to be that or it's going to be Reynolds, maybe looking to go more through the air and, probably from the first series we're going to know which it is and the defense is going to have to be ready for game plan a or b in that case
0: all right so charlotte panthers 7 p.m center park stadium saturday be there pack the park etc uh seriously come out see the team uh should be a very fun game to watch and uh brady and i will be there as always so hope to see you there uh but until then have a fantastic rest of your week and go panthers